Okay, I am going to give us our fourth installment in the book of Ephesians. Now, before I do that, I, I want to say a little bit about my own personal experience. Uh, several months ago, as I was studying the book of Ephesians, I felt like God was revealing to me through a very quiet whisper that this book was going to play a significant role in the renewal of, of the church. And I, I, I didn't know at the time that that renewal would actually start with me. I, uh, I am a born-again Christian. You're thinking, good, I mean, you're a pastor, I hope you're a born-again Christian. But I feel like as I'm reading Ephesians, I'm being born-again again. And uh, I've been trying to describe to you w- why that is and what's been happening. <laughs> and so I'm just going to give you a few snapshots. This is just me just telling you my own personal story. Um, in children's ministry, they cut the CD, and it's all these songs. But they're, they're um, songs straight from the Bible. And it's not like old school Maranatha, you know, the guy with the stiff, oh, and it's not like that. It's really contemporary and very catchy. And there's one song that goes, for it is by grace that you have been saved. It is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. And I'll listen to that because it's number like 14 on the CD or 13. And every time I listen to it, nowadays, I cry. Which is really weird because I'm not, you know, people don't know me. Some people that feel like I'm very unemotional, you know, like. But I'll listen to that and I'll just. Remember Easter? Remember what happened on Easter that we had our kids up here? Remember what song we were singing? For it is by grace that you have been saved. Not, it is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. <laughs> it is the gift of... And Bonnie was up here worshiping with the kids. And there was something in me that was just like... That is so right. That our kids, at the very beginning of their life, they're, before they're setting down the foundations, and they're being taught, you know, the, the grace of God is not something you earn. You're not validated because of what you do. You're not validated because of how you perform. Right? Cal students, <laughs> are you hearing this? Your, your validation, your affirmation doesn't come from what you do. It's given to you freely. It's given to you as a gift of God. And I was thinking, how right is that, that kids at the very foundation of their lives are being told, it's not like you've got to perform for God so he'll, he'll give you a thumbs up, but you're taught, it's, it's free. He loves you. He loves you. It's, it's not about what you do, it's about what Jesus did. You don't have to prove yourself. And I would say that this one thought has really captivated me. It's really captivated me. And I, I feel like I understand, like not, not too long ago, we talked about God's sovereignty. And I feel like as I talk about so- God's sovereignty, he's, he's powerful, he's, he's unstoppable. And that makes me want to bow down before him. That makes me, you know, bow down before him. But when I think about his sacrificial love, that he would give up his own son for me, uh, that, that just captivates me. Like his power makes me respect him. 
But his sacrificial love makes me love him. <laughs> makes me want to sing about him. And so I've noticed certain changes in myself. Like when I put the, my kids to bed, normally, normally I always say, Lord, make them men and a woman of character. Now I always pray that because it's very important to me. And for this season of time, I've stopped praying that. I say, Lord, I want my kids to be saturated by your grace. I, you know, I want them to be moral people. Yeah, absolutely. But I want them to have a moral structure that's built out of the grace of God. I want their morality to be a response to who God is. I want my kids, most of all, to know who God is. I, <laughs> that's, that's everything. That changes a person. Not do this, do that. I want you to be a moral person, be responsible, be, you know. It's about what God did. And because of what God did, then we are people of morality and character and all that good stuff. <clears throat> so this book is doing something to your pastor. And so I'm really praying that it would do something for you. I've, I've heard because I have spies within the church who tell me that you know, not everyone is tracking with, with us in this book. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm just like, okay, well, I'm trying to do everything I can to convince the church to come along with me, to read the book with me. And um, I, I don't know what else to do but just to tell you there's a great invitation here. Can you guys just stand up? I'm just going to pray for you, and then we're going to go into the message. You stand. I, I'll kneel. Let's pray. Lord God, um, I thank you for this book of Ephesians. I say, thank you so much that we are saved by grace. Uh, it's not from ourselves. Not We don't have to earn it. It's not about our performance. But it's a gift of God. It's, it's God wanting to give us something. And uh, I feel like I'm getting it. And it's blowing me away. And I want more and more of my friends and my family to get it. It's like it, I, I want them to be blown away by it. Because it's life-changing. And I, I don't know how to convey it. I'm not good enough to be able to convey it. But through your power, I actually feel that it will be conveyed. And through your grace, your grace will be revealed. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so um, Book of Ephesians, the next installment. Um, today, the key words are racial reconciliation. Racial reconciliation. You remember the big idea of the book is that the gospel changes everything about a person's life. Changes your identity. It even changes your your um, the embracing of your ethnic identity and racial reconciliation. It even changes how you see your race and the races of other people. And so we're making this case that the gospel changes everything. And by the result of that change, people who don't know the gospel will see it in your life and say that is different. It demands explanation. You got to explain that to me. And today we're going to talk about. Um, Racial reconciliation. Now, I want you guys, if you can, look at your bulletin. And would you uh, read the title of this message? I just want to give myself a pat on the back because I think this title is very um, clever. <laughs> right? Does grace erase race? And I was thinking about this. Like, we could, we could play with this even more. We could say, in this place, does grace erase race? In your face. You know, I just feel like th this is this is good stuff. I'm giving you guys good stuff. Okay, actually, Lynn helped me with this. She, she didn't want to own any of that, but she did. So um, 
And so let's, let's ask this question. Does grace erase race? Does grace make race irrelevant? I'm actually betting, I'm willing to bet five bucks. For me, that's a big bet, okay? Then most of the people in this room would say, yes, it erases race. And I'm actually here today to argue the opposite. I actually think that grace and the gospel, not only does it not erase race, but it enhances race. Now, it's, it does away with racism. Don't get me wrong, it does away with racism. But it actually makes a black person more black. And an Asian person more Asian. And a hop-up person more hopping in. Get it? I thought that was... More cleverness. Woohoo! Okay, that's... Okay, um... It makes you more racy about your race. Okay, I'll stop. Um, <clears throat> does grace erase race? And I'll say, no, it doesn't. I actually think it enhances race. Now, let me give, let me make my case for this in the next 30, 30 minutes. But we're going to go through the scripture. I want to do a good job explaining the scripture. So let's go through the scripture. This is chapter 2, verse 11. Paul says this, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision. Uh, but, but, by the way, we, we're in a world where we know and recognize horrible racial slurs, and we have racial slurs for every race. The Jews had a racial slur for non-Jewish peop- people. And it went something like this. You uncircumcised... Right? And you can fill in the blank. You Philistine pig, you know? And, you know, since we're all Gentiles and most of the people we hang out with are Gentiles, you can try that sometime when you're angry. It just kind of rolls off the tongue. You uncircumcised Philistine pig. Okay, that's not funny. But, but you know, it, just, it was a racial slur. And so basically when Paul says the uncircumcision, there's, it's a loaded word. They, you were called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. Jews are circumcised. Gentiles are not circumcised. Which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But, it's a great word, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Okay, listen, verse 14. I'm going to put more time in verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both Gentiles and Jews, both, two groups, one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Does anyone know what wall of hostility he's talking about? In the temple, there was actually a wall. And in that On one side of the wall, the Jews were invited to go into the temple. On the outside of the wall, Gentiles could only worship from outside the wall. So imagine, how many of you went to the A's game on Friday? I heard we had a really good showing from our church, like 40 people. And I heard it was really boring. I heard it was like 0-3, to the A's lost. Okay, let's pretend it was a Giants game. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, And you're invited to this game, but you're not allowed to go in. You're only allowed to go as far as the parking lot. How would you feel about that? And however you feel about that is how Gentiles probably felt about worship at the temple. You're not allowed to go here. There's a dividing wall. There's actual wall, four and a half feet uh, high. The dividing wall. It was the wall of hostility. 
Okay, so what did Jesus do? He became our peace. He made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. 15, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Now, again, a little bit more background. If you read in the Old Testament, you see that God gave the law. You see it described as the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. So God gave the laws to Jews. And when he gave them this law, he gave it to them as a gift. Here's this gift. I want you to share this gift with the rest of the world. Now, what did the, the, the Jews do? The Jews took that gift and they said, wow, we have this gift and no one else has this gift. And they started to pride themselves in this gift and they lifted this gift higher than any other gift and they used it for hostility. We have this, you don't. We look down on you because you don't have what we have. Now, God's like, I meant you to share this with the rest and be a blessing. And they used it actually as a curse of hostility. There was that wall. Now, you go, it's easy to look at this and go, oh, shame on those Jews. How can those Jews do that? That's so racist. Oh. This happens all the time. This is just human nature. This happens every day. This, happens, this, is, this is our actually basic instinct. I will tell you how this happens every day. Come to my house for dinner and bring one gift for my kids. Choose one kid, give it to that kid and say, I want you to share it with your, your siblings and see what, there will be a wall of hostility coming down. We actually had a friend who tried that. And never again did he come to our house bringing one gift. You bring three, you know. Trust me on this. You bring three because the wall of hostility comes down. It's just in human nature we do this. You give me a gift, I Place that gift higher above all others. I have this gift. How better I am. I look down on you. It's human nature we do that. Uh, verse 16. That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Okay, verse 17. I want you guys to remember that we're going to come back to this and camp on this a little bit more later. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Okay, so peace, the same message of peace was preached to those who were far off, the Gentiles, and those who were near the Jews. Same message of peace. Same invitation of grace. Because they are actually in the same situation of sin. And they have the same invitation of grace. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Okay, um, I, you know, so I, I, I hope, hopefully... I've been faithful in explaining the scripture. But now, now I want to take us kind of to a different place because I feel like we need to interact with what this is saying. And I think we need to clear up some misconceptions. So I, I'm just guessing. Like when I talk about ethnicity, where are people at? And what are, what are the thoughts that are coming through their, their minds? What are they thinking? I'm going to do my, my very best to try to understand what, when we talk about racial issues and ethnic identity, where people might be at. I think some of us read this passage of scripture and we say, and we look around and we see, you know, mostly Asian people and we go, I don't, what a, is this church? We're mostly Asian. Is this an unbiblical church because two are becoming one and who are we becoming one with? You know, is, is, you know, maybe there's a certain like existential anxiety, like, oh gosh, is this even biblical? Maybe some people are like that. Not most people, but maybe some are like that. I bet you this is where most people are at. Now, I had a consultant for this message. Okay, because I heard that folks from CCF 
talk about these things like a lot, right? And we barely talk about it. We talk about it every now and then, you know, make an Asian joke, of course. But, but we don't talk about it that much. So what I did is I contacted Matt Kim. And I'm like, Matt, you talk about this a lot. What can I expect when I start talking about racial reconciliation? Oh, there's Matt. And Matt told me this. He said, this is great. He said, expect most people not to care. That's what he told me. I'm like, what? He said, expect most people to think that ethnicity doesn't matter that much. It's not that important to talk about. It's basically a non-issue. It's like, oh, that's really interesting. Oh, that's really unimportant to me. Now, let me, let me say, I think there's a, a, a couple, couple problems with this thinking that ethnicity doesn't even matter. Okay? <laughs> First one's a little bit funny. Um, this is more for, for parents. Okay? Because uh, uh, a couple of years ago, I was talking to one of your youth. Now, this is uh, the family where, where the mom is Japanese and the father is Japanese. And I was talking to this youth and saying, do you know what your ethnicity is? And this kid said... I'm not sure. I, I think I might be Mexican. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. He said, I, I was like, I, I need to, mom and dad are Japanese. Okay, now listen. If you're full on Asian and your kids think they might be Mexican, I think we got a problem. What do you think? Maybe it comes from this place where, oh, ethnicity doesn't matter. God is colorblind. Okay, let me give you another example. Another example of how this is relevant. You should care about this. Okay, <clears throat> the kingdom of God and our area contribution is music. Okay, music. The black church has a style, right? What's that style? Gospel, soul. It's, it's very definitive. You can even say rap. Very definitive, very distinct. Fantastic. Man, the contribution they've made to the kingdom of God and the rest of the world has just been incredible. Awesome. Okay, uh, what about uh, the Latino church, the Chicano church? What's their musical style? Um, like mariachi? You know, like like salsa? You know, it's 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 I, I can't. You know, it's 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 certainly very distinct, right? You got the the guitar. The, that, that's, uh, that's not the electrified guitar, but the, uh, the classical guitar, right? Right? Okay, and then, and then you got the, you got the, you got the white church, you know, you got Hillsong, you got Chris Tomlin, and then you go to the Asian church. What's your musical expression? Hillsong? <laughs> you know, uh, Chris Tomlin? You know, we kinda, we try to do it like Chris Tomlin. And Hillsong, right? 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 And it's, it, part of it's like, I, I, I don't, we don't really know what our musical style is. Maybe it's, you know, that, you know, like the, the, the Chinese opera music, like, you know, we don't want to bring that to worship, right? So it's like, what, what are we? And we're looking at each other like, I don't know. But like Hillsong, right? We're like, they're just trying to do what they do. And the problem is we don't know who we are. Do you see that as a problem? <laughs> It's like the kingdom of God table, you know. Every culture has something to offer God in glory. You know, the black church is like, here's gospel music. And, and then the, the, the Asians are like, well, we wanted to do what the white folk were doing. <laughs> so we were trying to, to do, here's Hillsong. Right? Is there a problem with that? Uh, what I want to do is I want to clarify what it means when Paul says, one new man. 
He says uh, he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. He might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the husk. What does it mean for two to become one? Two, okay, where have you heard two become one imagery? You hear this in what? You hear this in marriage. Let me make an illustration. Prompose, prompose, prompose. Okay. This is the, the best illustration I can probably give you of two becoming one. So there's something that there's something that happened on August 24th of 2003. Got that right. <laughs> <clears throat> two became one, right? And, and then in the scripture, in Genesis, it says, uh, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So there's something about the male coming together with the female, and they both reflect the glory of God. Right? So, okay, so here's my question. When Raina became married to me and two became one, did she lose her identity as a woman? Like, did, did she stop becoming a woman when she married me? No, you can actually say the exact opposite. Like, Andrew made her more womanly. <laughs> right? And I can, I can say honestly for myself, I became, like, when I married, I was three-fourths of a man, you know? I was still like, a, there's still this little kid inside me, and Raina made me into a man. <laughs> no, no, hold it, hold it. I, 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 two become one. No, wouldn't that be ridiculous if Raina's like, you know, the female species is so far superior to the male. Andrew, let's both try to be female. <laughs> and I'll, I'll mentor you. We both go that way. And won't that be ridiculous? Right? It, but the, the two becoming one reflect the glory of God. Raina does it as a woman. Her womanliness reflects the glory of God. I do it as a man. Together we reflect it in greater completion. Do I lose? No. Does she? No. In fact, it gets enhanced. Now, there's things about her that have rubbed off on me. I understand I'm more well-rounded, but at the same time, distinct. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I think most of you are with me, but I, I really want to go even further, even further, even further, okay? Because we are talking about race. We are talking about race. <laughs> No, no, no prom pose here, right? right? Actually, we'll do the and the. Okay. Actually, my chest came up to his like. <laughs> that was not even the chest bump. Okay. I present to you my white brother. Is it okay if I call you? You prefer white, Caucasian, Anglo, white, white's okay. I would say it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay, I'll call you white. Okay. Okay, but the, the commonality that we have is we are both Asian. Asian? Caucasian? Okay. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, here's the thing. We, we are, the, are the same, we are the same family. We have the same father. That makes us brothers. Now, Tom's first identity is Christian. He's a son of the high king. My first identity is Christian. That means we have everything in common. That, that unites us like no other thing can unite us. We are brothers. But here's the thing. 
Tom is called to reflect the glory of God as a white man. I could never do that. I could never be as white as Tom. <laughs> or tall as Tom. And, and, and I'm called to reflect the glory of God as an Asian man. Now, Tom could never do, there's certain things that Tom cannot do. Like he can't dance. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Asians can't dance either. We have that in common, Ali. But, but, but you don't understand what I'm saying. He's called to reflect the glory. Now, wouldn't it be so ridiculous? I'm like, you know, I want to be like Tom. I want to be as white as Tom. I'm going to try to do the same things he does and reflect the glory of God as a white man. And you don't do that. Now, Tom is, is, is a part of our church and we embrace Tom. We love Tom. We love that he's a part of our church and he gives us opportunity for two to become one. He gives us an opportunity to show to the rest of the world that we have a greater commonality in Christ than anything else that can bond two people together. At the same time, I don't expect him to glorify God as an Asian person. And he didn't expect me to do the same. Thank you, Tom. Oh, just not. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can we give a hand to, to Tom? I, I think I might have embarrassed him a little bit. But what, what I want to do for the next six minutes, I want uh, to show you a video. It's by James Chong. I don't normally do this and this, let the whole video play out. But I, I do feel like he has some really great things to say. I, I really feel like this video, and this message actually is going to stimulate thinking. I think there's certain times where a message is like, oh yeah, I, I, you know, you conviction, or I want to, you know, certain emotion. I think with this message, I want to stimulate your thinking. I want to challenge you to maybe rethink matters of ethnicity and race and embracing ethnic identity. And so I think this video will actually be a very great compliment to we this think message. it. Let's listen to it. But we know not to say it. Imagine you're in the cafeteria and you look over and you see them sitting all together all the time. And they can be anybody, black, white, Asian, Latino, Middle Eastern, Native American, as long as they are not us. And that might be okay in the food court, but it's not okay in our churches, right? And it's definitely not okay in our campus ministries. So is it okay to have Asian, Christian fellowship? I mean, doesn't that stand against everything Jesus stood for? Would Jesus ever lead an ethnic-specific ministry? Doesn't the Bible say that there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus? Shouldn't we be looking beyond ethnicity and culture? Shouldn't we be colorblind? Isn't God colorblind? Yet when we look at the expanse of Scripture and the story, and we see that at the end of time, when everything is made right and everything is exactly as God wants it, we see that every nation and tribe and people and language are worshiping before the throne. Nations. The word in the original language is ethnos, ethnicity, people groups. Every ethnicity, every tribe, every people, every language, worshiping before God. Do you get it? You are going to know Swedish. You're going to understand Swahili. And as me, as a Korean American, I'm going to know Korean to my parents' delight. See, in heaven, culture and ethnicity is affirmed. Heaven is not colorblind. And so then we move back 
to the birthplace of the church in Pentecost. And there in Acts chapter 2, Peter is preaching a message and the crowd is wrapped with wonder. They say, how is it that we hear them each in our own native language? They're hearing the message of God in their own heart language. My wife is from Korea. She grew up there. And it's one thing to tell her, I love you. But another thing altogether to tell her, because when I say that, it melts her heart. And at Pentecost, God wanted to melt our hearts. But then you might say, well, what about Genesis 11? What about the Tower of Babel? Isn't language, ethnicity, culture a curse? But look for that word. Look for the word curse, and you won't find it there. In fact, what happens there in the Tower of Babel is that uh, they build this thing so that they can make a name for themselves and not be scattered across the face of the earth. But God wanted them to scatter. He wanted them to fill the earth. And so by creating language, he was actually helping them get back on track. So then when we run back to Paul and we look at that verse in Galatians where it says there's neither Jew nor Greek, it isn't that we're being called to be colorblind, far from it. In fact, check this out. In the same passage, it says there's neither male nor female. But you're fine being a man of God. You're fine being a woman of God. In fact, we have men's groups and women's groups in the church, right? So why is it that we make a fuss if someone wants to be a Colombian man of God or a black woman of God? Ethnicity is something to be embraced. So Paul's point? Absolutely. We are all one in Christ Jesus. That our ultimate identity is being children of God. Absolutely. And that must be foremost. But culture and ethnicity aren't erased. They're not eradicated, but they're embraced. And for those of us where those cultures and ethnicities blend, God reconciles them in us. Through Jesus, we are all one in Jesus. So let me make this practical. There are two things we need to do. First, we need to integrate. Absolutely. And if you're in an ethnic-specific ministry, you need to find ways to cross culture. But it doesn't just have to happen at large groups. It can happen at outreaches, retreats, and conferences. When you go overseas, there are places where we might have more time to interact. But yes, you have to integrate. But integration itself is not enough. If you're in an ethnically general ministry, you have to ask yourself if there is an ethnicity that is present on your campus but not showing up in your fellowship, is something happening there? That if you're in an ethnically general ministry and you're not talking about ethnicity and culture, you might not be helping. And in fact, you might need to create focused places or focused outreaches or focused small groups or focused chapters so that all can be reached. Now you might say, well, Jesus would never lead an ethnic-specific ministry. Yeah. Jesus would never lead a group of 12 <coughs> Jewish men, would he? Not the most of their slot. But he does it because he knows what his ancestor, Father Abraham, had heard. And he knows that the few are blessed so that all can be blessed. So he invests in the few so that all can receive. But then what about the early church? Of course, they were more multi-ethnic, weren't they? 
But it says in Galatians chapter 2 that Peter and Paul had focused ministries, that Paul focused on the Gentiles and Peter focused on the Jewish people. And it is through their focus in specific areas that all are reached. We need places to focus and we need places to integrate. Both are good, both are needed, and both are biblical. Is it nice to hear somebody say something that kind of justifies our existence as a community? <laughs> That's great. Um, big idea. Big idea. You are called to give glory to God, not despite your ethnicity, but through your ethnicity. And I, th- I think we, we, can, we can accept this gender-wise. I'm, I'm called to give glory as a man or a female. I think we accept this occupation-wise. I'm a doctor. Okay, I give glory to God as a doctor. I get that. I'm a student. Okay, I give glory to God as a student. I get that. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Okay, I give glory to God as a stay-at-home mom. I'm an Asian. Oh, well, that doesn't matter. God doesn't care about that. No. You're called to give glory to God as an Asian. Now, how do we give glory to God by being fully Asian American for those who are Asian American and a part of this predominantly Asian American community. And my answer, honestly, to you is I'm not exactly sure. But that's partly why I need you guys to help me define it. But, and also that's why I partly need Matt Kim to help me define it. And here's what we came up with. It's a list of seven things. I'm just going to flash them up for you guys so you can, you can see it. How does a predominantly Asian American church give glory to God by being predominantly Asian American? And these are some of the values that we have. Now, it's so interesting. I was looking at this list. And some of these things are the reasons why I, I'm like, I like, I like harp on you guys. Or like, I'm really concerned about you guys. Oh, we're making our kids an idol. But actually, that's just the shadow side of our strength. The strength is that we value family. Oh man, wouldn't that be awesome as a church if we knew how to embrace all peoples with this, 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 like you're part of this family, this amazing kingdom family. Uh, I'm just going to tick them through and then we're just going to go on. Respect for authority. Grace that produces sacrificial love. Man, when I think of my mom's sacrificial love for me, she came to America, everything was just about serving me. Man, that helps me understand God better. Fellowship over meals. Remember Revelations 21? Uh, no, Revelations 2, where, 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 where Jesus says, whoever knocks, I will open the door, he will come and sup with me. And part of us is like, I don't understand the whole sup with me. I understand the invitation to Jesus that we're loving each other, but, but, but sup with me over meal? I think Asians get this more. Because there's something that happens over a meal where there's true... You guys are with me, right? Okay, that's something that to be, to be celebrated. Community versus an individual. The gift of loitering. Collaborative decision making, all these can be unpacked further. I really just wanted to introduce the concept, which is that we are called to give glory to God via our ethnicity. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. I've talked about what Paul is not saying. Let me talk about what Paul is saying. The gospel of Jesus Christ breaks down the wall of hostility that is between the races. Now, let me quickly try to define this. There is a wall of hostility between Asians and Caucasians. Let me just say it. I know that every Asian person in this room has some sort of story of discrimination that they've, they've faced from a majority group. 
I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I have a bunch of stories. I bet you have a bunch of stories where you were discriminated against either directly or indirectly. There was a wall of hostility. Maybe some bitterness came from that. Maybe some unforgiveness. Maybe just this, this questioning of who you are came from that. It's, it's a wall. Now, also, this is a little bit, okay, this is a little bit, uh, okay. A lot of Asians have really, I'm going to be careful with what I'm saying here, uh, have really worked hard, applied themselves, and have risen to places of power and privilege and position. And even though we're a minority group, we've been, by the grace of God, allowed to, for the most part, have a measure of success in America. I'm talking about this people group as a whole. And so what we can do is we can take value in the Asian American value of hard work. Hard work is the, the supreme value in all the cultures that don't value that. Are, we can look down on them, especially if they're uh, other minority, non, non, uh, non-white group. And so... I mean, that's just one of the, the things that puts that wall there. But because non-Asian minority people are different from we are, we're, we can be afraid. And that fear leads to avoidance. And guess what? If the avoidance is there, there's a wall that goes there. Now, here is, here is, here's what Je- Jesus comes and says. He has made both one and broken down the wall of hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those of you who are near. Now, what does this mean? This means that basically Jesus came to all the people groups and he offered an invitation to be into the kingdom of God by grace. It's nothing that you do on your performance to earn this. It's by grace. And Asians, they go, they go, no, 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 no. I know why you've chosen me. I know why you've let me in. It's because I work hard. It's because I'm good. I'm a, we're good people. And Jesus is like, no, that's not the reason why you're invited. You are invited and included into the kingdom of God by grace. Now, what that does is it levels the playing field. No culture can say, my value here is supreme. And this is the reason why God has chosen me and why we're allowed in. No. All people groups are sinners and all come in by grace. It ultimately levels the playing field. No group has any right to look down on another group because we all got in by grace. All got in by grace. And so that makes the two able to become one. Josh, can we put up the volume on this one? Now, I want to sing you a song about this. No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, This is my application. We need a place to grow stronger in our ethnic identity. Everyone. And we also need a place to mix with other cultures. You need that. You need a place to grow stronger in your ethnic identity so that you know who you are. You're like, "I, I have a song to sing. I don't even know what the song is. You, know, you need to, and hopefully for those of you who are Asian American in this community, this would be the place. But you also need a place to mix. And for people who are not Asian Americans in this group, this is a place to mix. But you need both. Now, I'm a person, oh gosh, i got to tell you something that happened recently. My kid was expressing fear towards another ethnicity. And Raina and I were like, oh, that's not good because we don't have friends of that other ethnicity. And so we were talking about that. And in the space of six weeks, God brought a new best friend in Ryan's life. I didn't say best friend, a new friend. And they both want to give glory to God through video games. <laughs> no, they have that common passion. I know it. Not, it's not like, oh, I'm so bonded to them because he loves Christ and I do. No, it's through video games. But that's okay for now. 
But we need to be mixing. We need to be mixing. And we need a place so we can grow stronger in knowing who we are. Now, who are we? Who are we? Now, I, I think we are A. A for... No, A plus. A for Asian, right? We, we are an A. And maybe another church that's predominantly white would be like a C. This is a C, like a C sharp. That's C, there we go, that's a C, right? And maybe like a black church or a Latino church, I, the, the B doesn't work here, I'm sorry, so I'm going to use the E, but that's E for everyone here. E, okay? Okay, E. Now what does it mean that the two need to become one? What does it mean that we need to mix? Look, this summer we have an invitation to go to Richmond. Most of the people in Richmond in the Living Hope Church are not Asian. Why is it important for you to go? How does the two become one? It's because God wants to play a chord. God wants harmony. And if you're mixing with other cultures, it's beautiful. Now, wouldn't that be awful, just awful, awful, if we didn't know who we were? Like, here's the C. Oh, I like the C. Let's try to be like C for Caucasian people. Let's try to do that. Let's, let's do it together. That, what? That's so nice, right? I mean, I go like that. I'm C. I'm a Hillsong like that. I'm going to be whiter than white people. Oh, what a beautiful... No. You're called to be A. Be strong in your A for God's glory. And then when you mix with other cultures, it's like... A, C, A, C. Doesn't that sound so much nicer than just... Let's all try to be white. Come on. No, we are a core. We need to mix. We have a contribution. It's A. Now, wouldn't it be sad if we, we had a very weak A? Like... And there was a strong C, but it's very weak A. It wants to be more like a C. Oh, be strong in your ethnicity for the glory of God. And then you mix, and you have something to bring to the table. You have a note to play in the chord, and there's harmony. And the kingdom of God is singing in this beautiful harmony. Oh, that wasn't beautiful. This is beautiful. And that's what God's working on. That's what we're a part of. That's why we need to go to West o uh, to Richmond this summer. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would help us to be strong in who we are. We have an A note to sing. Help us to sing it loudly. I, I, a lot of people are like, I, I don't know what that A note sounds like. Help us to find it for the glory of God so we can be who we are for the glory of God. And Father, uh, for the folks in our midst, in our community who are non-Asian, we just want to make it very clear we love them. We're so glad that they're a part of our community. They help us mix they help us sing a beautiful chord. And so we so appreciate them and value them. And I didn't want any part of this, this talk to, to take away from that message. And at the same time, Lord, we want to talk, we want to engage in a conversation. Who are we? What's the note we have to sing for your glory?
your glory. Lord, we exist to glorify you. I pray that everything about us would be used for the glory of God as the gospel changes our lives in a way that demands explanation. Amen.